welcome to Freedom Fighters Code Gray. This is a show where we discuss human trafficking, an issue that's taking place in our community in our own backyard. We often think of trafficking as something that's happening in other countries and other places, not recognizing that it's happening in our own communities. Children as young as 12 years old are being lured and groomed for the purposes of exploitation in our communities. The purpose of this show is to equip you with knowledge, to educate and raise awareness in our community of this injustice that's taking place. Today, I have with me a very special guest Guest, Glendine Gerard from Defend Dignity. Welcome, Glendine. Hi there, Michaela. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Just to start off with, some folks who are tuning in today may have never even realized that trafficking is taking place in our community. And our episode today is going to be focusing more specifically on forms of sexual exploitation. So could you just take some time to explain what is sex trafficking and what is sexual exploitation? Sure. Well, you know, when I knew you were going to ask this question, I thought I'm going to look look it up and just see what uh, Public Safety Canada says. So they define human trafficking as the recruitment, transportation, harboring and or exercising control, direction or influence over the movements of a person in order to exploit that person, typically through sexual exploitation or forced labor. Uh, in our youth curriculum that we call exposing exploitation, our definition is that sexual exploitation is the commodification of a human for the purpose of sexual service, which could include prostitution, human trafficking, massage parlors, escorting, strip clubs, sex tourism, or pornography. And it always involves an exchange. So whether that's an exchange of money or a place to sleep, food, drugs, some other kind of uh, thing that the the exploited person is in need of. And Glendine, you are an expert in this field. You are an advocate against sexual exploitation and sex trafficking. How did you get involved in this work? You know that that's a question that could probably fill our whole time here together. But uh, <laughs> the real the really short answer uh, would be through the influence of a person who was trafficked. Uh, I met her in 2010. Uh, sort of a, a, a little bit more detail around that is that I was in a leadership role with that, my church denomination. And our president uh, at the time came to me and said, I really want you to explore a justice issue that is affecting women and children in Canada. So I, I was wide open, right? There's lots of justice issues that affect women and kids in Canada. But I started exploring that by talking to individuals that worked with marginalized women. And it was through that uh, conversation that I was introduced to Trisha Bapti, who was trafficked as a young girl, only 13 years old, when she first experienced trafficking. And it was really her uh, influence. And so she gave me about two weeks worth, I'm not exaggerating, of research, studies, stories, videos to watch. And I just immersed myself in that and then invited her to spend a day with our leadership team and it was through all that we learned uh, that day that we, we kind of looked at each other and said, man, our eyes are wide open to the huge issue that this is in our country. And it was really uh, Trisha's phrase that has stuck with me all of these years when she looked at me that day and said, Glendine, you have influence. You have influence. And so how about using your influence to make a difference on, in this issue? And so I tell her all the time, we're still uh, very much in contact and good friends now. And I tell her that you're, you really changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, 
I wouldn't trade it for anything and uh, really grateful that that her influence has put me where I am today. Yeah, thank you, Glendine, for taking the time to share that story of how you came to get involved in this work. And I'm also so grateful for Trisha for her courage and um, for her willingness to share with you so that more individuals can seek support and assistance um, and to bring more people to advocate for this injustice that's happening in our communities. So what is Defend Dignity, Glendine, and what are your focus areas and what kind of advocacy work is it that Defend Dignity does? Okay, so we're a national organization and you know, on paper, it's really simple. We exist to end all forms of sexual exploitation here in Canada. So of course it's simple on paper, but not so easy to do. Uh, we also sit under the charity of the church denomination that I mentioned, which is the Christian and Missionary Alliance in Canada. But we are privileged to work with uh, many different sectors, with survivors, with elected officials, with uh, service providers, police, the list goes on and on. Uh, so our focus areas are three, and they're all A words to help, to help me remember and everybody else. And so the first one is aid. And we do that uh, in a financial way through supporting uh, survivors um, through their service providers. We have a fund called the Survivor Support Fund that we open twice a year uh, to service providers to apply to the fund on behalf of uh, survivors. And so it opens twice a year, spring and fall. Uh, last year, just as an example, we gave away over $60,000 mm -hmm. uh, and came uh, and, and were able to help uh, over 30 different uh, survivors with, you name it, all sorts of needs. First and last month's rent, uh, trauma counseling, uh, tattoo removal, um, education, and you know, the most significant one we've been asked to help with, and it seems to be growing uh, every intake, is that of debt repayment. And because we're finding that traffickers are, are loading up debt uh, through credit cards or phone plans that they've taken out of the names of these victims. And so they're left uh, when, they, when they try to get out with this exorbitant debt. Um, then awareness is the other A, uh, a word, uh, education, awareness raising. We do that through videos, uh, social media, this youth curriculum that I mentioned webinars and then the really big thing that I'd, I'd love to tell your listeners about is the Canadian Sexual Exploitation Summit. Uh, first time in, that we've ever attempted this. We're partnering with a few other groups, uh, it, mostly in the province of Manitoba where it was going to be a live conference and now we've pivoted to, to it being a virtual conference. We have over 40 presenters, uh, a survivor a banquet, a special event for them that we're doing virtually. Uh, all sorts of really wonderful things. We've got uh, extra trainings for law enforcement. We have a special training for the hospitality industry uh, and for truckers and, and taxi drivers. So uh, it's May 6 and 7. So we have a website, sexualexploitation.ca, where you can find lots of information. And the best news of all, it is free. Unless you want access, uh, lifetime access to the presentations, you can register and attend that for free. And uh, yeah, we're covering all sorts of really good things. Uh, so then the last A is advocacy. And so what kinds of advocacy work do we do? Well, we, we in a nutshell, we try to change uh, laws and policies that would affect, of course, this issue, uh, the issue of sexual exploitation. So uh, we do that with all levels of government. And then we also do it with companies through a campaign that we called Choose Change Canada, and that website is choosechangecanada.org. 
And we usually try to identify five or six companies a year that would be complicit in the sharing of sexually explicit images. Now, sometimes these companies aren't even aware that, that their practices are harmful. And so we try to point that out. And uh, we've had some great success stories. Uh, one of the most recent is that we've had Visa and MasterCard on our list. And as you know, if you've been uh, listening to the news, they have been processing payments on porn sites, just uh, such as Pornhub. And through our advocacy efforts and that of lots of others, uh, they now have stopped processing, at least for uh for the for users, uh, we still would like them to stop processing processing advertising payments, um, but we're happy about that. And then you know the so in terms of what we do with uh, elected officials uh, municipally, we try to advocate for better laws and practices and policies around uh, body rub parlors uh, within different cities. Uh, provincially, we've done a little bit of work on the pornography issue with provinces, and most of our work, uh, the bulk of our time is spent with federal advocacy uh, around two key issues, that of prostitution and that of pornography. Wow. So much important work that you and your team are doing. I feel like I have so many follow-up questions for <laughs> you in all these different areas. And when you mentioned aid, I am aware of many individuals who have been able to access that fund, that survivor support fund, and that has been pivotal for them in their healing journey, as you mentioned, the various things that they may need funds for, and just how you're empowering and equipping survivors to continue in their journey to healing and restoration. That is so beautiful. And the awareness piece, so essential on the prevention side. And I definitely want to just highlight again for viewers that this is a free online summit that you can attend to learn more about trafficking. One of the things that we know that you can do as a way to be an advocate in your community is to learn more, to do research and to listen um, to experts in the field so that you can then share with your neighborhood or with your colleagues or with your family to help prevent this from happening. And then the advocacy piece, trying to um, advocate for laws and policies that will create a long-term safe place for individuals to live and thrive in Canada. So just so much important work. Um, Glendine, you mentioned pornography and how, you know, one of the recent positive things that have happened through the Choose Change campaign is the Visa Card MasterCard piece. But I was wondering first if you could talk to our viewers a bit about what are the harms of pornography and what is its impact on society in the first place? that you wanted to advocate for this change? Yeah, yeah, really good question. Um, we would say that pornography is harmful. Um, it's it's now online and as everybody knows, right, it's, it's no longer the magazines in the store. I mean, they're there still, but because it's online, it's accessible to act absolutely anybody, anytime, right? I often tell people that we walk around with it in our pockets because our cell phones are in our pockets or our purses, and that's just how easy it is. Turn on your phone, one click, and there, there you have it. And uh, what's scary about it is that uh, it's becoming increasingly misogynistic, uh, increasingly uh, violent, and uh, yeah, we, we don't want children being able to access, access that. And, you know, because it's anonymous now through going on our phone, I think that also has escalated the use of it. You, you no longer have to sort of sneak into the XXX video store, right? It's, it's right there for everybody. 
and uh, and it's free. Billions of videos that are online and accessible. And recent research is telling us that it's now the primary sex educator of our kids. It's not mom and dad. It's not schools. It is actually pornography. That's where kids are now going uh, for their sex ed. And when you say, okay, what, what is it actually teaching them? Well, it's teaching them that men are dominant, that men have control, that females are commodities, that women have to act uh, a certain way and look a certain way to be acceptable. And, you know, the scary thing for me, I think, is the fact that uh, it really teaches that sex and violence go hand in hand. And that's just so destructive, right? Absolutely. Um, Incredibly yeah. destructive. Glendine, we're going to take a short break. I thank you so much for just sharing with us. Viewers, stay tuned. We're going to come back and continue this discussion on the harms of pornography on society, as well as sexual exploitation, and what you can do to get involved in your community. Freedom Fighters Code Gray. In this episode, I am taking the chance to have a conversation with Glendine Gerard, the director of Defend Dignity. And we are going to be continuing our conversation now on the harms of pornography on society. So Glendine, could you just share some light on what are the impacts of pornography on society and the harms that are associated with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, there's lots of research and that research is is growing really in volume and in the scope of it. Uh, I think some of the harms, you know, one of the key harms, especially for children, is the fact that the, the prefrontal cortex of our brains don't really develop until our early 20s. And that's the reward center of our brain. And so that's what researchers, researchers, neuroscientists are telling is so scary because uh, that just means that kids are that much more susceptible to addiction issues with pornography. And so if they're accessing it, you know, uh, research now again is telling us that the kids uh, as early as 11 and even younger are seeing it and exposed to it uh, constantly, then that whole addiction side is a little bit scary. And uh, we're also noting that uh, there's increased depression rates, there uh, is an increased likelihood of committing acts of violence. Uh, they're also showing that kids that, that watch porn regularly will likely engage with sex uh, much younger, uh, never mind the divorce rates. And you know, I can tell you from just our awareness events around this topic, it is, uh, always happens that I have people coming up to me saying, yeah, my marriage ended because one of the partners uh, was addicted and just uh, could not uh, get unaddicted from this. And then the other piece that's uh, alarmingly increasing is that is erectile dysfunction. So young men that should not be experiencing this are experiencing this because they're addicted to porn. And uh, again, I've had conversations with medical doctors at our events saying uh, huge numbers of young guys that are coming in with this issue. And he now got smart enough to say, you know, if you're, if it finds out that they're, they are using porn and then says, stop using it and your problem's going to go away. So all of these things, you know, that's why we talk about pornography being treated as a public health issue. And, you know, sometimes people look at me when I say that and say public health issue, what, what in the world are you talking about? But when you think that a public health, health issue is something, um, that happens when society recognizes that the, the issue is beyond just the individual's capacity to correct it. 
And if we look back at cigarette smoking and how that all uh, took place, and you know, initially it was looked at as uh, the person had this issue, and so they needed to stop smoking, kind of look after that issue themselves, uh, till people started recognizing, you know, this is an industry thing. The industry is pushing this. We need to, we need to hold the industry accountable for this. And so look what happened, right? The industry started being held accountable, and then we had education around it in school. Kids couldn't purchase cigarettes uh, in a store. You have to show ID for that. There were warning labels put on cigarettes. And so we're saying the exact same things need to happen with pornography. We need increased government-funded studies to show some of these harmful effects. We need to protect children from it. There does need to be meaningful age verification happening on websites so that they can't access it. Uh, labels on it. Um, just increased uh, recognition that this really is a public health uh, crisis right now. Wow. What you shared reminded me of the words you said before the break. This is devastating. And the impacts that it's having on society are devastating. Um, one thing, as you were sharing, you mentioned that there is a growing sense of compulsive porn use in society, and it can be addictive for individuals, and that can impact marriages or development or growth. I just want to share a resource really quick for viewers. If you are struggling with compulsive porn use or know someone who is, there's an app called Fortify that you can download, and it's an accountable, safe community that can help you as you journey through that struggle. So I just wanted to share that resource real quick. But one of the other things that you said was age verification. And some folks may be wondering, what do you mean by age verification? Can you just shed some light on what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we already have meaningful age verification in place when it comes to gambling websites in Canada. You have to, uh, I'm not sure of all the intricacies of how it works, but I do know that gambling websites in Canada you, you can't access them uh, unless you are indeed over 18. And I don't mean just ticking the little box that says, you know, I'm over 18, but there's actually a way in which that can work. And uh, we're watching closely because the UK is a little bit ahead of us in some of this work. And I uh, just was uh, emailing with a gentleman uh, late last night uh, about some of this. And he's quite confident that in the months ahead, the UK will have this kind of implementation in place, uh, perhaps through AI. Uh, things are changing so quickly uh, uh, technology-wise. I know that when they looked at this a year or two ago, the process for that age verification was going to be a little different than it is, is even going to likely look now. And I love that we're going to have some great country models for this. Uh, so I think it's going to make it that much easier for the Canadian government to really look seriously at it and so i'm i'm really loving the attention that's on this issue of pornography if you've been watching the news at all these days uh, we do have a number of government uh, bills and motions in place that i think have the potential to really address some of these harms you mentioned if you've been paying attention to the news well there have been some major events taking place regarding Pornhub and MindGeek and even legislation changes or potential legislation changes, I should say. And so for people who aren't aware of what's been taking place here in Canada, could you explain what has been happening? Yeah, sure. 
Well, you know, some of us have been at work on this for a while, trying to uh, help the government understand some of these harms, but really what acted as a huge catalyst to put this on the on the front uh, burners for the government it was an article in the New York Times on December 4th, written by Nicholas Kristof called The Children of Pornhub. And he had been researching this, uh, this particular website for a, a long time. It's one of the largest porn websites in the world. It's headquartered in Montreal, so it is a Canadian issue. And in the article, he called out the Canadian government. Uh, did you realize that this uh, website, that there have been instances of child sexual abuse material, that there have been instances of non-consensual videos uploaded, rape scenes, uh, that kind of thing on that website. So he really called uh, the government out on that. And then one of the wonderful side effects of that article as well was that Visa and MasterCard, who you know, I just talked about have been part of our Choose Change campaign. Uh, the article also said, hey, credit card companies in your own community standards, your own ethical standards, you're saying that your card cannot be used for things that were happening on this website. And so they did some investigating and now Visa and MasterCard have pulled uh, away from at least users being able to use it. Uh, as I say, we, we still think they need to do more. They need to stop processing payments for the advertising companies on those sites because they're huge. Uh, that's where they really make a lot of their, their money. And so today, the day of this interview, uh, one of the things that the government did was that the ethics committee of the federal government decided we need to explore this. Uh, so today, the uh, executives of MindGeek will be sitting in front of that ethics committee responding to some of the questions about uh, this material being found on their website. So that's uh, the first thing. They, they listened to a victim of Pornhub uh, on Monday of this week. We're hoping that they're going to extend the meetings and listen to a few more, some Canadian victims and some other experts uh, in the field. So that's just one piece of, of uh, a government response. There's, there's three others uh, in the works, I would say. Uh, we've got the Heritage Minister's legislation, which uh, he has said it's, it's been out there in the news and we expect that legislation will be tabled very, very soon. They're going to be tackling the issues of uh, online platforms and the complicity that exists uh, around hate, crimes, terrorism, child sexual abuse material, and uh, the sharing of sexual intimate uh, images without consent. So we're really eager to see that piece of legislation and uh, hope, to the, hope that we'll be able to send in a brief and, and uh, have a response to that committee. Uh, then we also have a motion on the table with the Status of Women Committee, again related to the Pornhub issue of looking at it through the lens of violence against women. And then one more is a, a bill that's in the Senate right now, Bill S-203, and that will be more around the protection uh, angle for children um, uh, from what they're seeing on, on websites. So there's some uh, yeah, we're excited about all of a sudden uh, what that news article did was to really propel that into the laps of the government. That's incredible that this change is starting to take place that's needed to protect individuals and with some of that legislation, specifically youth and children who are being impacted by the harms of pornography in our society. There's so much that's unfolding, although we do know that this has been an issue that's taken place for a very long time. It's not a new concern of society, but it is a concern that is being brought to light more and more, which we are so grateful for as advocates in this work. So for you, who is championing change through Defend Dignity in so many ways, 
what are your next steps? Where do we go from here? And also, what would you say to people who want to be more involved in this discussion? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's, as I say, with these four different pieces of, uh, you know, either motions or committees or legislation that's going on, um, we want to be involved there as much as we can, trying to even help get the right expert witnesses in front of committees uh, when they when they get to that level. Uh, so that's some of the work we're doing. In terms of what uh, you can do as a listener, you can go to our website, defenddignity.ca, and uh, right now on that website, we have a letter of support for the Senator's Bill. So that's the bill that's uh, going to help protect children from the online uh, access to these sexually violent websites. And we have a letter that can be sent there very simply. Uh, we, you plunk in your information. It'll take you about two minutes. Put in your information. You can even edit that letter that's there to add your own comments. And we actually encourage people to do that. And then if you're on Twitter, we also have a pre-written tweet that you can send out. And so those letters uh, go to a public safety minister and to all of the senators uh, for the senator's bill. And then the, the tweet would also go out to the public safety minister and to the senator whose bill it is. So that's one little piece of, of action that would take you two minutes to do. And it's just so important. Uh, and in case you're wondering that that letter, that tweet comes from your account. There's nothing affiliated with Defend Dignity on it. It's just a simple mechanism that we have on our website that you're able to do that. Um, and then related to the Choose Change campaign, you know, we have a number of companies and we change those companies out in the spring. So we're, uh, we're, we're looking at some other uh, companies that are here in Canada. We're looking at a hotel chain that we know is still selling adult content uh, videos uh, on their chain. It's a family friendly resort uh, chain of hotels that we're saying, hey, you should not be selling this in, in, those, uh, in your hotel rooms. Uh, we're also uh, gonna be keeping Visa and MasterCard on our list. And so here too, we have a mechanism on that Choose Change website where you can go in uh, as the public and send the email, send the tweet to the executives and that's powerful. They, they're paying attention when the public is getting involved in this. So many practical ways that people can get involved and make a difference. And some of them, as you mentioned, take two minutes to do. So thank you for sharing. If someone is tuning in today and they have been impacted by Pornhub, if they are an individual who has experienced exploitation, where can they access resources and support? Again, if you go to our website, defenddignity.ca, right on the homepage, big orange stripe there, you can't miss it, you can click there. And uh, we, we have retained a law firm, uh, and if you would like to have uh, access to some legal help, uh, we can certainly set you up with that. Uh, our law firm is, is wonderful and would be happy to assist you in that way. And then if you're just looking for care kind of help and resources, we're connected to counselors all across Canada, as well as service providers that would be able to give you that kind of assistance. Well, thank you so much, Glendine, for being on the show today. The information you shared is invaluable. You have so much knowledge to share with folks. If you are in immediate danger, please call 911. If you're looking to access information or support related to human trafficking, please call the hotline at 1-833-900-1010. Thanks so much for tuning in to Freedom Fighters Code Gray. We hope to catch you next time. And thanks again, Glendine.